Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Podcast, equipping people to live successful Christian lives. Well, good morning, Abundant Life. What an honor to be up here this morning um, on Mother's Day. And if you're wondering why I'm up here, um, I'm not a mother. I am, in fact, a former child. So those are my credentials. Um, But I have to give thanks and honor where thanks and honor is due. So first and foremost, I am so thankful for all the praying mamas in the house. And if you are one, I have your kids in the youth ministry. So I get it. I'm praying for them too. All the time. But I am so thankful for my own praying mama who decided to stay for second service. She came to first and she was like, you know what? I'm going to stay for a second. So I I made a joke that I was going to have to find a surrogate mom to point out this service. But the real one's here. So I'm so thankful to have been raised by a mom who prayed for me when she wanted to probably smack me. um, And smack me when she should have prayed for No, I'm just kidding. Shouldn't do that. Shouldn't do that. Um, But second, I'm so thankful for my spiritual parents, Pastor John and Kristen. What an honor to have been raised in this church. We've been here since I was 11. And I'm now just about to hit my quarter-life crisis at 25. So it really is such an honor to have pastors that believe in the next generation who raise you up and see you through. Um, Thank you. So like like Pastor Kristen said, I'm the youth pastor here. I've been here um, since January, full-time since March. So nothing really has happened too terribly. So I'll keep my job for now. It's going good, going good. But if you have middle or high school students, I'd love to connect with you after if I don't know you yet. And I'm so excited to bring the word this morning. I really think that God is going to move and do something great this service. Last service was awesome. And we're going to be preaching on this idea of dreaming and hoping in God. So whether you have your physical Bible, an app, or you're reading off the screen, um, we're going to be looking at the story of Sarah in Genesis chapter 18, verses 9 through 14. So let's go ahead and read this. It says, They said to him, Where is Sarah, your wife? And he said to them, There, in the tent. He said, I will surely return to you at this time next year, and behold, Sarah, your wife, will have a son. And Sarah was listening to them at the tent door, which was behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in age. That is um, biblical terms for they old as dirt. Sarah was past childbearing. Sarah laughed to herself, saying, After I have become so old, shall I have pleasure? And my Lord being old also? And the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh? Saying, Shall I indeed bear a child when I'm so old? The Lord mocks us. It's okay. He's a funny guy. Here's the kicker. Is anything too difficult for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you. At this time next year, and Sarah will have a son. Let's pray. God, I thank you for every person in this room. Lord, I thank you for for every hurting heart, every person sitting in these seats. Lord, that you would meet us this morning and that your word would speak. We ask that you would let our eyes, hearts, and ears be open to hear and receive what you have for us. In your name we pray. Amen. So before we kind of get into it, I'd like to get to know my crowd a little bit. 
little bit. We're talking about laughing today, laughing, dreaming, all the fun stuff. Um, I love laughing. It is my favorite form of exercise. Yes. Yeah, yeah, getting married in October, so got to keep it tight. <laughs> Make me laugh more. <laughs> but it's, I sweat the least when I laugh. So I really, that's my favorite one. I actually got kicked out of class several times in high school for laughing too much. It's fine. I still pray for that, teacher. So I have some questions for you. I have some questions for you guys. The first is, is anyone in here an uncomfortable laugher? Okay. So it's like you're in a situation. Let me set the scene for you. Dream, think, think with me for a little bit. You're in the grocery store wandering the aisles by yourself. Just browsing, looking for some chocolate, macaroni, cheese. I don't know. I don't know what your lifestyle is. Salad. Salad. And this man that you don't recognize, he's just staring at you, just smiling. Pushing his cart, pushing his cart, walks up right to you, says something. You don't know what this dude says. He says something, you just, <laughs> that's the uncomfortable laugh. You're in a situation you don't know what to do. You laugh your way out of it, okay? Someone says something, you don't want to ask them for the fourth time what they've said. <laughs> you moonwalk out of there. The second laugh is, do I have any pity laughers in the place? Okay, if you're next to your spouse, guard guard your shoulders. This is what I mean by pity laugh. You married a really funny person. That's not me. You married a really funny person. Or maybe you have that kid who just needs, like, some some confidence boosting after the tenth time they've told the same punchline. You just, ha, that was a good one. Real knee slapper. Got me there, got me there. And then again, you walk away. Okay, that's, that's the pity laugher. My last one is the denial laughers. You're in a situation, this can't possibly be happening. So instead of cursing, you laugh. It's real, we can be real here, we can be honest. You, you know, got in my car this morning, there's a crack in the windshield. I just, ha. See, if you laugh and laugh and laugh, if you just keep laughing at the situation, surely it will go away. Surely the grade will get better. Surely the book will read itself. Surely that bill will get covered. You just laugh and laugh and laugh so you don't cry. And looking here at the story of Sarah where she laughs after God tells her she's going to have a baby, I think we can probably resonate with this third denial laughter. See, at this point in scripture where we read Sarah's story, we have to understand what she's been through. First and foremost, at that time, Sarah's main priority as a wife was to give her husband children, specifically a male heir. And I can imagine pretty on into their marriage, Sarah finds out that she's barren. She she can't do the one thing she's supposed to do. So what does she do? She sets her husband up with her maid. Yeah, it makes sense who then gives him a son. And then continue, continue, continue. No children, no children. She walks through this season of sorrow and grief and a mourning and bitterness. And now at the age of 99, 99, God says, you know what, Sarah? A year from now, 
going to have a baby. Now, where are my um, seasoned ladies in the house? Seasoned ladies? Yeah. Everyone loves seasoning. It makes everything taste better. Seasoned ladies in the house. What would you do if God came to you today and said, you know what? You're going to have a baby. <laughs> You're going to have a baby? First off, your husband would be like, excuse me? Excuse me? Second of off, you'd be like, excuse me? So Sarah is 99. Past her childbearing years, already dealing with barrenness. Um, and the Lord says, Sarah, Sarah, a year from now, you're going to have a baby. Naturally. Homie had to probably laugh to keep from crying. Naturally. I want to emphasize that. If y'all don't know, you don't know. I don't know. I've just heard the horror stories. It's fine. Carla, it'll be, it'll be a great birth. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. And so Sarah laughs at the face of God because now after these seasons of pain and sorrow and hurt and watching another woman get what she was supposed to be able to do for her own husband, the Lord comes to her and says, yeah, but now's the time. You're 99. Basically dead. May as well have a baby. And she laughs. Because what else could you muster in that moment but to laugh in disbelief, in doubt, in pain? Sarah laughs. And it seems impossible. It seems impossible. But it says this in verse 14. Is there anything too difficult for the Lord? At the appointed time, the appointed time, at the appointed time, I will return to you. We can't put our hope in our situation, our expectations, or the things that we're supposed to live up to. We have to put our hope in the hand and in the timing of God. Because it is by his hand and by his timing that the dreams within us, the hopes within us come to pass. And this is what I want you to understand this morning. I'm not, I'm not preaching like God is a genie. No, there's no like you don't rub your Bible and get three wishes. I'm, I'm not preaching that God makes everything you want in your life come true. I'm not preaching that everything's going to be rainbows and butterflies. But I am preaching that by his timing... And by his hand, when our desires line up with the will of God, the dreams and hopes that he has placed within you come to pass. So here are four things that we can learn from Sarah this morning. The first is don't be afraid to dream small. Have you thought, like, had a thought, like, wow, it'd be really great. But then you immediately dismiss it because who would care? Who would care? Sarah's dream, Sarah's miracle that she was waiting on was a reality and expectation of every other woman around her. The lady down the street probably wouldn't have even blinked twice and pregnant. But for Sarah, for Sarah, that was a dream. That was a dream in her heart. And it's not the size of our dream, whether it's too big or too small that we put our trust into, but it's the size of our God who makes the impossible to us possible, tangible. And here's 
the thing that we have to look at. Sarah's dream was to have a child. God's promise was to give a nation. Sarah's dream was to simply have a child. But God promised a nation to come from their lineage. And what we think is too small, when we put it in the hands and in the timing of God, it's not just transformed. It doesn't just come to pass, but it becomes something that gives glory to God that no one would be able to look at and say, oh, that surely wasn't him. No, they have to look at it and say, but God. She dreamed of a child, and God promised a nation. The second thing that we have to look at is don't be afraid to testify your dream. Don't be afraid to testify your dream. You know, the last month, we've been talking about this series of our declarations determining our destinies. Proverbs 18.21 says, there's power of life or death in the tongue. You want to know the top two reasons that we don't speak into existence, the things that are in our heart? Shame and fear. Shame and fear. We're afraid of what people will think, or we don't want to admit what we're thinking. But God did not create us with a spirit of shame or fear. And God didn't give us dreams so that they could lay dormant within us. We speak into existence. We speak to life the things that God instills in our spirits. And looking at this point of testifying our dreams, I have to ask myself, When did Sarah stop? When did Sarah stop saying she was going to be a mother? When did Sarah stop believing that God could do what he said he was going to do? When did Sarah give up her hope? When did I become Sarah? When did you become Sarah? There are things in all of us that we don't just place on the back burner. We send to the grave in our life. There are dreams that you have had for yourself, for your children, for your healing, for your marriage, that when it gets too tough, instead of relying and keeping our hope on the one who gave us the desire in the first place, we send it to the grave to get covered with dust and dirt. But Sarah giving birth was never a byproduct of who Sarah was. It was a testament to who God is. And in your life, your miracle, the dream, the hope, or the promise that you're waiting on, it's not because of you. And it may not just be for you. It is a testament of what God is and can and does in our lives. His word says that he takes all things, every bad thing, and works it together for the good of those who know him. The third thing that we have to look at is don't be afraid to take back your dream. Don't be afraid to take back your dream. Just because we may send our dreams to the grave doesn't mean that God's restorative power and restoration life doesn't apply to it. If a man can hang on a cross and rise from the grave three days later, the promise that God has put inside your heart can easily be restored. I was very fortunate growing up to have, like I mentioned, some praying parents, and they had to pray a lot. I'm the youngest of three. They had to pray a lot. But I remember we we grew up in, you know, at that time, a more 
traditional Pentecostal church and, you know, with the pews and the ugly red carpet. Yeah, that showed every coffee stain. Mm -hmm. Let's give some claps for these chairs. But I grew up in this church, it was very traditional, and you know, the 90s, the 90s lasted until 2007, everyone knows that. And we would sing these songs, and you know, like when you're, when you're a kid, they didn't really like have fun songs like we have now for your kids. You just sat in service with your parents, and it would go on and on and on. But we sang this song, and I still remember it, and I'm going to preface this. I'm not a worship leader for a reason. The Lord did not give me the ability to sing because he had to humble me. And he did that through my mother. Love you so much. Humble your kids and pray for your kids. That's it. That's all I got for you. Okay, that's the end. No, I'm just kidding. But we would sing this song in church, and it went something like this, and this is what I need. All the, all the seasoned people in the building, if you know this, please sing with me, because I really can't sing this by myself. So this section right here, and it went like this. It went, you know, I went... To the enemy, yeah, you can clap. And I took back what he stole from me. Yes, I took back what he stole from me. Yes, I took, it's real easy. Okay, ready? Well, I went to the enemy's camp. Yeah, I'm not going to sing. And it's just like a talking. Back, yeah, you know it now. He's under my feet. He's under my feet. He's under my feet. He's under my feet. Satan is under my feet. And all the ladies in the church would like do this. But the, here's the thing we need to understand. It says, I went to the enemy's camp. I went, I marched, I went to the enemy's camp and I took back what he stole from me. We have to stop letting an enemy that slithers under our feet steal, kill and destroy the very thing that God put inside of you. He has no reality, no property on your kids, your life, your marriage, or your spirituality. You take it back. You walk up to that enemy. You have every right. The word of God says that we are co-heirs with Christ. We have the authority of Christ in us to take back the things that have been stolen, the things that have been destroyed, the things that have been killed in our lives. And there are dreams and hopes in this place today where you've let them, we've just let them go. Because in all honesty, it's kind of hard to keep up with. It's kind of hard to say yes to when you wake up in the morning and you just want to go back to bed. When you didn't sleep at all the night before because of the grief that you're facing. It's hard to take back what you don't want to hold. But God wouldn't give you the desire if he didn't have a purpose for it. The last thing that we need to learn from Sarah in this is that we need to start dreaming for the next generation. We need to start dreaming and hoping and encouraging the next generation. And can I be honest with you? Yes, I'm the youth pastor. Great. Love your kids. They're awesome. As previously stated, pray for them a lot. But there is a generation that is rising up who everywhere they look is faced with anxiety, depression, discouragement, confusion of their identity, confusion of their sexuality, 
And if the church is not giving them the truth that they need and the word of God, the world will. And it's not going to be a foundation that we want them to stand on. Sarah prayed for a child and God promised a nation. And it was a nation that he called his people. We cannot be afraid as a church to testify and take back the dreams that we have for our children. You cannot be afraid as a follower of Christ to testify and take back the dreams that God has placed in your own heart. They're not there by accident. Your hope for healing is not there by accident. Your hope for restoration in your marriage is not there by accident. The Lord gives desires to us. And when they line up with his will, we see them come to pass. This is what it says in Hebrews 11.11 about Sarah. By faith, even Sarah herself received the ability to conceive, even beyond the proper time of life, because she considered him faithful who had promised. Let's read that again. By faith, even Sarah herself received ability to conceive even beyond the proper time of life since she considered him faithful who had promised. The dreams that come to pass in our lives, they're not a byproduct of who we are. They're a testament to who God is. And they come by his hand and by his timing. Hebrews 11.1 1 says this, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. The assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not yet seen. There's a lot of unseen in this room this morning. There's a lot of hoped for in this room this morning. There's a lot of hurt and pain and grief to go with it this morning. And I want to be honest with you. The Lord doesn't call us to dream just for fun. He doesn't, he doesn't give us desires in our lives just to do nothing with, to send them to the grave. God gives us things that advance his kingdom, things that impact the lives of those around us. God doesn't have you praying for your family just for fun, just to remind you of the struggle that you're walking through. God doesn't have you praying for your kid that has walked away or is addicted to drugs just for fun, to remind you of the hurt that you're facing. God doesn't have you praying night after night for your marriage that is falling apart just for fun. The Lord gives desires, and when they line up with his will, we see these dreams come to pass. I was talking with my mom after last service, and we were talking about Mother's Day is a hard day to preach. For many in the room, it's painful. It's sorrowful. It's, it's not a joyous time of celebration. It's a time of remembering what hasn't happened. And I want to encourage you today. It's by his hand and it's by his timing. And it's not going to look like you think it's going to look like most likely. You haven't heard that before. Sorry. 
The Lord sees us. He's close to the brokenhearted. He understands. He understood Sarah when she walked through her grief. And he understands you when you cry night after night, morning after morning, not understanding why you have to bear the weight that you're bearing. But it's by his hand. And it's by his timing. Sarah could have let her barrenness turn to bitterness and disbelief and doubt because of her pain. But it says that by her faith, even when she wasn't supposed to, she conceived. We're going to go into a time of prayer here in a second, but I think that there is some stirring going on in the room. And I want to encourage you to lean into it. It's okay. It's okay to think about these things. It's okay to remember. It's okay to trust God with what seems impossible because what seems impossible to us, God makes tangible by his hand and by his timing. So I'm going to ask that we all just close our eyes. My first response is for those in the room who have been struggling with this idea of dreaming and hoping and having faith. And there are things in your life that you have hoped for. There's healing in your life that you have hoped for and it hasn't come to pass. And this morning you're feeling that stirring again to reignite your hope, to re-release your dream to God to place it in the Father's hands, to pull it up from the grave and let it live by God's word, by his hand and by his timing. If that's you, if you've had some dead dreams in the place, but this morning you're saying, you know what, I, ser I serve and I know a restorative God and he can restore in my life the things that I've buried. If that's you, would you raise your hand? Thank you, Jesus. The second response is for this. I believe that there are some people in the room who maybe have been believing for healing, whether it's in your body, whether it's in your relationship, whether it's emotionally. And it's really easy to just kind of bypass it and let that go on and not worry about it. But this morning, I'm asking that if you are believing for healing, whether you have been admitting it or not, that you would raise your hand and testify the dream that God has put in your heart and in your spirit. So if that's you, would you just raise your hand? Healing. Thank you, Jesus. And my last response is this. This may be your first time sitting in church or your first time in a long time, or maybe you've been here a while. But this morning you're reminded or you've discovered that there is a God who loves you, who sent his son to die on the cross for you, who rose three days out of the grave so that you and I can have something to put our hope in. A hope that is alive, a hope that is living, a hope that is moving and a hope that is breathing that Jesus Christ is savior. And maybe you've never accepted that before, but this morning, if you're here and you're like, you know what? I'm ready to admit that there is a bigger hope than I can put in myself and I'm gonna put it in Jesus for the first time or maybe once again. If that's you, would you raise your hands? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. 
I thank you. I thank you for the hands in the room. Lord, I thank you for the hearts in the room who are asking for healing. Lord, for the hands in the room who need hope. God, that we know you are a God who sees us. You are a God who is with us, who is close to us. And today we pray, Lord, that these dreams would be reignited. We pray that by your hand and by your timing, they would come to pass. For there is nothing too difficult for the Lord. And at the appointed time, you will come again. Lord, we pray for those who received you as Savior for the first time this morning. To know that you are the best thing we can put our hope in. The only thing that we can put our hope in. I'm just going to ask that we all pray this prayer together. Dear Jesus, thank you. Thank you for loving me, for being with me, for sending your son to die for me. Jesus, this morning, I accept you in my heart as savior, as healer, as friend. Lord, we claim your victory. We release your desires for us, your children. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Thank you for tuning in, and we hope you enjoyed today's message. If you'd like to get in touch or would like more resources on how to live a successful Christian life, you can always find us at myabundantlife.com. Have a blessed week.